Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Some of you may not know, I have a problem staying on track, right? Anybody know that? Don't laugh, it's not that funny. You ought to try being in this mind right here. It's kind of creepy sometimes. I'm just saying. I am Doug. Anybody know Doug? How many of y'all have seen Up? How many of your moms, moms and grandmas have seen Up? Remember Doug, the dog that could talk, right? Remember we had the little translator thing? He'd go, squirrel, I'm him. Which is fun for conversation, but it's horrible when you have to be my wife. See, I'm a very fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of a guy. I'm kind of like very, woo, whatever happens, let's have fun, do whatever. And then that makes it really hard to get things done, keep the house clean, do all that other kind of stuff, right? And you have a wife that's a high D and a C personality, which means she's very driven and she's very organized. I cause great problems. Great, great problems for her. And you guys think it's funny to hear me say that all the time, but she doesn't think it's very funny. Huh? I have a hard time staying locked in. I have a hard time tracking. I have a hard time staying on top of something for a while. I am kind of like we've done this leadership thing where they, they compare the, the leadership styles to, the, to, to, the, uh, to a compass, to north, south, east, and west, and I'm an east, which means this. Whatever's new, I just want to run towards it. I may never get there, and I may get distracted on the way, but I'm just going to run ahead as fast as I can run. Woo! And I found out in the last two years I have to create some things around me to keep me tracking in the right direction. Over the last 12 years, I've done a study called Cauzone three times. And, I, and over the last, I don't know, couple years, I've, done, I've taken maybe three or four sets of people through, a, through that same study. Actually, if you haven't done it, we're doing a small group that's going to start up at the first part of June. That would be great for you to get involved in. And what I found out about Aaron is this. Aaron's called for a specific purpose, and it's this. To help people navigate change and prioritize what really matters. And even though I'm very spontaneous, even though I can be very crazy, I have to wake up every morning with the anticipation that I'm going to get a chance to do those two things, help somebody navigate change and prioritize what really matters. Now, I think some of us have a really hard time at times dealing with spontaneity and dealing with, and some of us have a hard time dealing with order. Some of us love the idea that life, we just love living life unscripted. How many, how many unscripted people are in here like, dude, just let's just get on a road trip and just roll, right? Whatever happens, happens. Woohoo! How many of y'all hate that? Huh? Just hate it. Here's the funny thing about our God is this. He is both orderly and spontaneous. And the crazy thing about it is he's using both spontaneous and orderly people to get his job done. And so neither of us are really wrong. We just, some of us have a hard time getting where we need to go. And some of us, it's because we're just distracted all the time. Some of us, because we're so rigid and unflexible, we can't, we can't appreciate what he's doing now. Am I right? Let me, get, let me paint this picture for you. God is very orderly. He's very, very orderly. Think of the days of creation. He, on purpose, walks us through this very orderly process. Think about the idea of this guy named Joseph, right? He, he knows months, even years in advance before a famine's going to come into place, and God gives him a very orderly plan about how to rectify that situation. God's very orderly in the book of Exodus. He takes this guy named Moses, orders his steps, and then gives him a very orderly idea of what's right and what's wrong, right? 
Think of, think of the guy named Daniel. Some of what God gave Daniel was very boom, 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 like you think about the, the vision he had uh, of, of the, the, the big uh, statue and all the different pieces, and he knew explicitly which piece was which piece. And some of that stuff God gave Daniel clear back then is still yet to be fulfilled and is being fulfilled right in front of us even today, and God knew all that, right? But I want you to think about a guy named Abraham too because God does pull this on Abraham. Let's go somewhere. Where are we going, God? I'll tell you when we get there. Huh? What, what about this guy named Gideon, right? Hey, I want you to fight these guys. They're turning up the land. Sweet, amass an army. All right. Thousands of people show up, and God's like, nope, too much. I thought a big army was a good thing. God's like, nope, nope. Do this, and he does that, and he gets rid of some. Do this, gets rid of some more guys. Gets rid of, now, now, now Gideon's down to 300 dudes, right? He's like, how are we supposed to fight this? God's like, I got it. Think about this guy named Paul. He's living a very orderly life as a Pharisee. His name was Saul at that point. And he's, he's on his journey, right? And he's heading someplace on purpose with passion, with zeal, with, with a very strict intentions and very strict guidelines. And this dude named Jesus literally knocks him off his horse unexpectedly one day. And his whole life changes. The point is not whether we're spontaneous or whether we're orderly. The point is we have to arrive at a certain spot because God called us to. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that because we do something very specific. We place him first. Placing him first means this, that your part in his plan supersedes all your plans. Because some of you let your plans and your ambitions get in the way of what God's doing. Some of you let your structure and your thing get in the way because it's your idea and you've got to have it done this certain way. And God's like, dude, put me first. Let's see what happens. Are you hearing me? Placing him first means your part in his plan supersedes all, all your other plans, every one of them. Your financial plan, your married plan, your relationship plan, your how your kids are going to be the greatest athlete ever plan, whatever plan, all, that's go, that, 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 all those plans have to supersede his plan. They have to, have to come under his plan. They're not, he, his plan supersedes all those plans. And so our, 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 kind of our theme verse is this today. Colossians 1.18. Christ is also the head of the church, really important word, we'll look at that in just a minute, which is his body, another really important word. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he's first in everything. Here's the point of this message. We just came through Easter. There is now an empty cross, and there's now an empty tomb, and those two things change everything about everything. And if they haven't changed everything about everything about your life, I'm not sure you really get what really happened on those days. Colossians 1 is 18 says he, because of those two ideas right there on either side of this stage, he is first in everything. Not some things, not just your Sunday morning schedule, not just your giving when you feel like it. He is first in everything. And God has placed him there. Are you track with me so far? Don't get quiet now. See, placing him first means... Your part in his plan supersedes all your other plans. There is no other option. There is no other answer. There is no other way of getting this Christian life thing done. If we have other plans that get in the way of his plans, those things are called idols, and Jesus will make them fall down. And some of the struggle and the difficulty you're experiencing right now is because you have plans that are conflicting with his plan, or at least drawing affection, energy, and resource from his plan. Do you get that? 
And so because he, because he wants you to live a full and exuberant life, he says things like this, give to me first and I'll take care of the rest. And I'm getting ahead of myself. If I'm not careful, I'll go jump down to point number six and I'm getting sidetracked like Doug. Are you hearing me? Your plans have to, super, have, to have to become under subjection to his plans. I'm not saying your plans are awful, and I'm not saying your plans are bad. I'm not saying my plans are awful. Sometimes I have very good plans, very good intentions, and sometimes I find on my way to get into the fulfillment of those, God's like, yeah, that's a great idea, but not really. No, hey, whoa, 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 walk with me, man. Whoa, slow down. You're going to go run right into that brick wall, dude. That's why I need you to turn left. You weren't paying attention. Oh, dude, come on, Jesus, really? I don't know if you, I don't know if, you know, if Jesus uses words like dude or bro with you, but he does with me. And, and I kind of do that back because, you know, I don't know. I just, that's just. So there's two words in this verse, Colossians 1.18, and they go like this. They're, they're, they're the words church. Here's the idea. Most, many of you sitting in this room right now, maybe not so much anymore. I've been trying to beat this horse for a long time. This, this right here, this, this structure, these lights, the switches, the stage, the parking lot, the doorways, the bathrooms, the cafe, the children's ministry part of the thing and all that stuff. News bulletin. That is not the church. None of that's the church. Not according to what Jesus said the church was. Jesus used a word called ecclesia to say the word, use the word church there. It means calling out of, called out one, see the church is people. Not a structure, not a facility, not a location, not an address, not a time slot on a schedule. The church is a group of people, right? He says, I love this definition I found in the Bible dictionary. Gathering for a purpose, even riotous. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time your Christian experience absolutely turned something upside down? Because there, there, there's, there's verbiage used in the scripture that, that, that people said this about the people who were the church in, in the first century. They turned the world upside down. When was, when was the last time? Because if we can't point to a time that happened, we're probably not doing this church thing well. Because that's the definition Jesus uses, the word he uses. That's defined a certain way on purpose. And so if something hasn't got kind of shook up, we're probably not doing it right. It also says uh, this purpose, this gathering, has the affairs of state summoned by a definite purpose. There's a definite definite reason we're gathering, and it's not to play the right songs, and it's not to dress the right way, and it's not, not, those are kind of like side issues. The definite purpose is that God might be glorified and that the human race might know him. That's the definite purpose. Not anything else. Not a style of music would be glorified. Not a style of preaching would be glorified. That. that he would be glorified and that people would come to know him. That, that's, that's the idea. That, that's the definite purpose. So Jesus used these words, the same word in Matthew 5, 6, or 16, 15. And it reads like this. And he said to them, Jesus has his men up on his hillside. They're overlooking, over on a hillside, they're looking down towards the city of Jerusalem, the place where he'd eventually die, right? And he's looking down on them he says, he asked them some, some pertinent questions like, hey, you know, who, who, what's, what's, what's the word on the street about me? You're this, and some say you're that, and some say this. And he, he looks at them and he goes, let me ask you this question then. Who, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered. He's the one more spontaneous one. I probably more relate to Simon Peter than about anybody else, right? 
my wife knows I'm prone to sticking my foot in my mouth on a pretty frequent basis, so me and Peter are like really good buddies. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, I want to listen to this. He'd been known as Simon for that, to that point, okay? And he gets the name Peter attached to him because of this moment. But now I call you Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, not the rock of Peter, because the word, Peter, the, the word he, he, he takes the, the, his name from means a little rock, cut off a big rock. And so he's not talking about Peter. On this significant rock, the confession of who Jesus is, I will build my ecclesia. He wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about a group of people. And he, and he says these words. I'll, I'll prove it to you. It says here, and, the pow- and I will build the, on this rock I'll build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Not necessarily a good translation there, because many other translations use the words gates there. The gates of hell will not prevail. And it gives a, a great word picture, because gates don't move. See, some of you think that as part of the church that hell's just coming against you all the time. If Jesus' words are right and accurate, his implication is this, that the church is the one moving. The gates of hell are trapping people and imprisoning people, and we're coming against those, and those things can't prevail against us, not the other way around. But because we think church is a building, not a people, we think we're stuck and stationary, and Satan's just beating the walls down. He's coming after us. No, it's not supposed to be the way around. He's supposed to be the one on the run. We're supposed to be the ones active. You hearing me? That's what Jesus says about the church, not what Aaron says about the church. And we've got a lot of, lot of difficult, ugly teaching that kind of, kind of is inaccurate about what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be the one saving lives. That's the point. They're trapped by hell. We're free, and we're going to go back and go after them and bring them out of that. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. I'll give you the authority to take on this business. That's what he's saying. I'll give you the ability to open things up. I'll give you the ability to make things happen. I'll I'll grant you the opportunity to move forward and remove obstacles. That's what I'm doing in your life right now. That's what he's trying to tell them. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatsoever you uh, permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now I want want you to think about this. He just created a change for Peter. My, My cause zone says this. I'm supposed to help people navigate change and prioritize what really matters. You know what Jesus just did for Peter? He changed his name. And he said, now get your priorities straight, Peter. Not your plans anymore, Peter. My plans. You've come to a right conclusion, and many of us have come to a right conclusion about Christ, but we haven't reprioritized our lives about what he says to do. And, and, and in some ways, we feel like it because we have the church on Sunday morning, or we, we are giving on the app, where we download the app, and we're filling out the connection card, and we're doing all that other stuff that, 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 that Aaron and the rest of the church leadership is asking us to do. But i got to ask you a question. Are, are all of your plans coming into subjection to his plans? Because placing him first means your part in his plans supersedes all your plans. There's another word in that piece of scripture. It's the word body, and it's the Greek word soma. And I love this. You know what it means? It means the instrument of life. So Jesus literally says these words. I am the head of this group of called out ones, and they are the instrument of life on the planet. Did you catch that? Jesus would say these words. I have come that they may have life. And have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus said about us. And then he says, 
What I've begun, he took the disciples, and we read from Luke 24 on Easter Sunday. You guys remember that? And he looked at them, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Do you remember that words? And so what he's saying is, I came to bring life. Now you're, the, you're, now you're my body. It's time for you to go and, bring, go and take life. For those out there. You're the instrument on the planet. So what we're supposed to be as the church is not just people who, who gather behind closed doors and talk about what Jesus says. We're supposed to be people, people who get so much of what Jesus said inside of us that it's easy for us to go take it out there. Okay? Stop thinking of the church as a building or a location or a place on a schedule. Start thinking of the church as the people sitting around you called for a purpose, and that purpose is to bring life to other people. Placing him first means... All of your plans are superseded by his plan. You gotta start thinking of it that way. And right now you gotta think about the plans you have for this week, and you start asking Jesus, What plan are you working, Jesus? What thing are you doing? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. You know, I think a lot of us as Christians aren't more effective in our walk with Christ, in our mission to the planet. You know why I think we are? Because we got certain rights and privileges that we cling to. Certain things I got coming. Certain ideas I got brewing. Certain schemes I'm working on. Certain things I'm trying to get accomplished. Certain things, and I won't let go of those. Certain things about how I think church ought to be done and Aaron's wrong. Just saying. Just think. He took the humble position of a slave, talking about Jesus, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, what we have to start looking at is our dreams and our ambitions. At times, we need to see them as outlaws, and they need to die a death on a cross. Sorry, Mom, if you came for a, like an uplifting message this morning. It's the only one I got. But I'm going to help you a little bit because some of you are very disappointed and disgusted because your kids aren't doing what you want them to do. And just maybe, just maybe your plan needs to die a death on a cross. Just maybe. And that's between you and Jesus and them and Jesus, not me and Jesus. Okay, you got what I'm saying? Just giving you maybe a little, maybe, maybe a little extra insight, maybe. Help you with a little bit of your frustration. A humble attitude leads, leads to the correct actions that place his plans first. If you want to know why your, your plans aren't working, probably your plans are being his plans, and you're not being very humble, although you may be portraying that you are, because you keep the man wanting your way instead of God's way, and then your, your actions reflect that. Here's what happens. If we are humble in our response to God, then our actions line up to that. We can look a religious part and appear to be connected to Jesus and still be doing things our way, and God's asking for something else. He's asking for humility to say, God, what do you want? How do I carry that out? Now, he's really awesome because he doesn't leave us high and dry. You guys have to be ready to, to all of us, not just you guys. Man, I, man, if I'm pointing out this way, I just promise you, there's like, if I get that, if I can find a way. Here. All the rest of these fingers would come back this way because every day there's a challenge in my heart that I have to figure out what God wants from me. And sometimes, even as the pastor of the church, even, even though I'm trying to seek the Scripture on a daily basis and pray, there are days there's a conflict in my soul of what he wants me to do and what I want to do. Okay? 
So I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. If I am, they're all coming back this way, or most of them. I'm trying to figure this thing out too. And I've found the only way I can actually accomplish what God wants is to walk in humility towards him, his word, his plan, and his spirit. And so that's what he's requiring of all of us. And that requires change. My job is to help you navigate change. And right now, some of you are already feeling anxious and anguished because you know there's some things that got to be different. And you're just, and you're white knuckling it right now, even as I talk. Because you don't want that change. You want to keep doing what you're doing. But here's the thing. That's insanity. You know why? Because what you're doing has got you the results you already have. Am I right? Huh? I'm, I'd like to take a poll. Maybe I'll do that. They've taught us that app we have. We can do like actually in-service polls like quickly. Because right now I'd like, to, I'd like to have a raise of hands. Like how many of y'all are white knuckle on it right now? And so we're like, dude, don't do that. Not here right now. But if you could like just grab your phone and go, okay, they think I'm taking notes. I'm hitting the poll. Yeah, that's me. I'm white knuckle on it. Huh? It's, that's the human experience. See, the problem that happened in the garden was that humanity decided they knew better than God. And we took him off the throne of our lives and the planet. We placed ourselves what we wanted because we wanted to be like him and put ourselves there. And our still our struggle, our thing today is this. I want to be right. I want to do my thing. And we have to change that idea and, that, and, and wherever it rests. I'm not saying everything about your life is that, but there probably is that one thing. And probably that one thing is something you want really badly to happen correctly. And, and what you're not realizing is, well, give me the next, next point, is that if you would let go of that thing, the God thing would happen, and most likely the result you wanted would happen anyway, probably not just the way you wanted it to. Are you with me? All right? Placing him first means your role in his plan supersedes all of your plans, which brings me to the prioritization piece. We've talked about change. Let's talk about prioritization. Matthew 6.33 says these words, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he'll give you everything you need. So here's the funny part about it. If we learn to let go, God takes care of things. It's when we keep hanging on to things that get in the way of the priorities he places for us that life becomes really messy. The Bible says, make his kingdom the first thought of your decision-making process. Make his kingdom the first idea of the start of your day. Make his kingdom the first priority on your list. And live righteously. And so right now, let me just clarify righteously, okay? Righteously doesn't mean you have a certain dress code. Okay, are you, are you tracking so far? Doesn't mean you have a, a list of substances you will and will not intake. Okay? Living righteously means you live in correct relationship with God that you have alleviated anything that gets in the way. Now, here's the funny part about that. The Bible tells us we should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And there's so many things in the kingdom we think are legit, like hardline, like, ah, I can't believe they did that. Can you believe they watched that thing on TV? Well, I can't believe they drank that out there in public. What did they do there? And all of a sudden, we start to spin. Of, we, oh, we've already made an assessment whether somebody's walking with Jesus or not. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Huh? You all You don't know what you're talking. Oh yeah, I know. Huh? Huh? Psalm, you know, with some particular thing hanging out their mouth, driving down the road. Might have, might have saw him buying a lottery ticket somewhere at one of the gas stations. Suddenly made an assessment about what you thought about their spirituality. How many want to confess to that one? 
I'm, are you talking about the, the, the lottery tickets or the, or the attitude about the lottery tickets? I'm just wondering. No, I'm just kidding. Right? 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 Huh? Because we're wrong either way probably, right? But our wrong, you know, two wrongs will make a right. I'm just saying, to live righteously means the first thing is I want to be so close to God that I don't let everything get in the way. Not even a religious attitude. You get what I mean? Huh? Oh, boy. I think Aaron had a nerve. I just camp out here for a minute. Huh? Because I think we, we, we have this confused idea about right, what righteousness is. Now, I do believe this. If you are walking in right relationship with God, he taps your shoulder and goes, hey, bub, don't do that. Hey. He, he, he probably calls you bub. He probably calls me bro. Hey, bro, come back over to this side of the fence, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too close to the line, man. Come back. Come, come back. Woohoo! Huh? Am I right? And so it doesn't mean I can do anything I want. Paul says, God forbid. Do I, just because of grace, do I get to do anything I want? No. Paul was kind of, kind of, he was, he could be kind of ruthless. He probably went, heck no. There's a big, there's a big, there's a big exclamation point at the end of that, that phrase in Romans where he's like, for real? You think you just get away with anything you want? No, 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 no. At the same time, you don't have the right to, he says this, you don't have the right to judge somebody else's servant. We've got to be really careful there. Because we really don't know all the steps, all the things you've already overcome, getting to that point, and maybe that's just not far enough on God's list yet for your life to deal with yet. Am I right? Maybe they got some real inside stuff he's dealing with, like bitterness or abandonment and stuff. But he'll, he'll, get, he'll get to the smoking or the drinking or whatever you're worried about. He'll get to that promise. He's not going to let that ride for very long. But he'll, he'll, you get what I'm saying? Oh, man. This is kind of fun, really. I'm just saying. Huh? I feel like we're plowing some good ground today, man. Huh? we got to be the church. And the church is the extension of life in the planet, man. People. Zacchaeus, right? The lady at the well, right? The lady caught in the act of adultery. Matthew and the rest of his servants. You, know, you know what the first thing Matthew wants to do when he comes in contact with Jesus? He's like, Jesus, i got this great idea. He's like, what's that, man? He said, I got these crazy pagan friends. She's like, yeah, come on, come on. I think it'd be awesome if we just had this big shindig and invite every one of them so they get to know you. Just like, Matthew, that's a great idea. And they do that. And all Matthew's friends show up. And the Pharisees stand outside and go, what's he doing with all the sinners and publicans? Oh, my God, what's he doing? He throws all those sinners. What, what is he doing? And Jesus is like, dude, you don't understand my heart, man. I'm coming to help. The sick don't need a physician. I mean, the sick need a physician, not the well. I'm, I didn't come to help you all think you got it right. I come to help those who know their life's screwed up. And you keep trying to cut me off from doing it. I mean, I just love for one of you guys. I, I got to be around a couple people this week who, who struggle with some issues. And I walked, I walked out, my, my wife and I, they, we were talking, they, they started apologizing to me about their language and different things like that. And I come walking out of there, Rachel's like, are you okay? I said, I feel like I am full of life right now. Like I just, it just does me so good to get around people who just are trying to figure it out and they know they don't have it figured out. It's just really cool, man. I just want to be with them all day long. I just can't, it's like a, whoo, that's awesome. So I mean, I'm saying, if you all got a bunch of pagan friends, you want to have a party and want me to come? 
hey, send the invitation. I'll come. That's what I'm saying. You mean my friends from work, the ones that say, use those words? Yeah. Can I tell them they can bring their own stuff to drink? Yeah, if you want to. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really? Like, yeah, for real. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I do. I think that's where Jesus would be. Because it's over and over again in the Gospels. I'm sidetracked. Look, I just pulled Doug on you. I don't even have any idea where my iPad is. I can't even go, I can't even go on. Oh, there it is. My wife told me to pray and go home. Is that what y'all want? Huh? Some moms are like, they're going to feed me today. Please hurry. Okay? <laughs> uh, they're going to do dishes and, su- and sweep floors and all kinds of things. Please hurry this up before they talk themselves out of it. Come on, come on, come on. I might even get a nap in today. Which is what my wife would love. Okay, Mom, I'll hurry. I'll hurry. Placing his plan first means you, you don't allow anything to get in the way of you playing your part in his, in his plan. Are you with me? That means you take care of his business. And he told us this. His business was love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And he said, listen, that's the most important of all things. See, if you're just looking for a duty to fulfill, you'll miss it anyway. But if you're looking for a relationship to foster, that's where he wants you to be. And then he says, let that relationship... Be the first business, you and me together. And he says, now do this thing. Go love uh, your neighbors like you love yourself. Love me above everything, and then do this simple thing. What you do for you, do for somebody. And they're like, well, who's, who's that somebody I should do? And he tells this great story called the Good Samaritan. Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Anybody with skin on. Don't, Hey. Don't matter what skin color they are. Don't matter what socioeconomic background they're from. Doesn't matter what political affiliation they are. Don't matter. None of that matters. Who's my neighbor? That person who's got skin on, breath in their lungs. That's who. Woo. Right? Dude, he's awesome. He'll take care of your business. Philippians 4 says this. He'll supply all your need. And the context is, Paul believes this, that as the Philippians are taking care of God's business, they're giving, they're giving extravagantly to the cause of Paul's uh, uh, ministry. And he says, listen, here's what I know. Because you've made God's business your business, he'll supply all of your need. If I get something across to you this morning, it would be this. You let your business turn into what, what, what is God's business, and he'll take care of everything that's your business. I kind of got the shakes up here this morning. I mean, for real, like, I'm, I can't, like, worse than normal. Like, I feel like my legs are like, for real, that's the answer. Your business has to start being God's business. Whatever your business is. For some of you, you're trying to be the God of parenthood. And what your kids are going to be is the thing that you're going to worry about every day. And you're going to build your schedule around it. And you're going to build your finances around it. And you're going to do everything around it. Because you think you've got this great extravagant plan of what your kids are going to be. And they have to get this thing on their resume. And this thing on their, 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 their transcript. And they've got to do this. They're going to have this amount of sports on their deal. And this many extracurricular activities. And you haven't had a meal around the table. You haven't talked about the scriptures. You haven't got anything into their lives that's of substance or eternity. Just temporary now stuff. And one day you're going to wake up and go, what the heck happened? How's that for Mother's Day message? I'll just go home now. No. I mean, but I mean, for real. 
You're, you're making your business the top priority. And God's like, no, make my business the top priority. I think some of you on Wednesday do what? We're not coming. What's so important you're going to do? We're going to have dinner around the table one day this week. That's what we're going to do. Well, I can't do that. Oh, I bet you can. I'm just saying. We, we are putting these things all up here. And Jesus is like, where am I in that? And I'm not saying God can't use whatever activity you're in to, to help your kid be what they're supposed to be. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying prioritize it correctly. Are you hearing me? Oh, boy, that wasn't a good Mother's Day place to go, was it? Hey, look at this. Can you imagine this? A group of people committed to his plan primarily. And that they would permanently alter the trajectory of human history. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that group of people? They would primarily take care of God's business. That would be their, their numero uno goal. And that they could ch- tr- change the trajectory of the history of the community around them. Can you imagine those people? If you can't, let me tell you, there's this thing called the Bible. You should read it because that's already happened. And it wasn't nearly the number of people that are sitting in this room right now. It was 12 guys, primarily, who said, we'll do it. We'll change the world, Jesus. You know what they did? They reprioritized their, their life around his kingdom. See, if this happened and that happened, the only response, according to Colossians 1.18, is he's first in everything. And those aren't my words. Those are Jesus' words. Those are Paul's words. Those are the words of the Holy Spirit, right? Why can't, let me ask you a question. Why can't that be us? Why? Why can't it be us? Why can't God revolutionize South Central Ohio? Why not? Why, why can't it be us? I want to be that. I don't know about you. I want to be that people. I'm going to be really honest. I had a conversation with the elders the other day. I want to see change happen so we can do that. I want, I want my thoughts to change. I want my mind to change. I want my vision to change. I want my purposes to change. I want all of it to change. I want to read you a, a piece of a book. Can I read that? I've been reading a book lately called Irresistible Faith by a guy named Scott Sauls. And you guys have probably heard it like three times in the last five weeks or something, a quote from it. But let me read this to you. Central to his plan to mend the world's woes. Central. Central to, to his plan to, win the, to, to mend the world's woes. Jesus says, are Christians of every kind. To a mostly overlooked, uneducated, and non-credentialed, which means they're not professional clergy people, okay? yet also redeemed, restored, forgiven, and spirit-filled band of fishermen, tax collectors, addicts, widows, children, and former prostitutes, Jesus spoke these words, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Whatever one's place in life, whatever age or influence, all Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit's power, endowed with the Father's wisdom through Scripture, and energized by the love of Jesus. As such, all Christians are called as Christ's ambassadors into the places where they live, work, play, and worship with the glorious purpose of leaving people. Listen to this next line. With the purpose, the glorious purpose. Listen to this. I love this. With the glorious purpose of leaving people, places, and things better than they found them. This 
is the universal Christian job description. Oh, get me in on that. Huh? Oh, my gosh. And we just rather have church services. We just rather have good music. We just rather have the kind of prayer service we think we ought to have. And it's just like, those are all cool, but that's not the point. The point is change the world, man. Huh? Oh, gee whiz, help me. So Matthew 5, 14, Scott just called it. You are the lie of the world. Like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Tap your neighbor real quick and go, he's talking about you. Now ask him this question. Are you in? Are you, just ask me, are you in? Make sure they're walking with Jesus. Make sure they get the plan and the job description. Just look at me real quick and go, are you in? Are you in? I mean, for real. Why would we just do church when we could change the world? Why would we just show up to church when we could change the world? Why would we just you know, have a church service when we could change things around us? Why would we just have a church service? I'm not saying church service isn't important, but I'm saying there's a whole lot more to it than that. Oh, man. Thanks, Mom, for being patient. I need all the patience I can get. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So how do I get there? How do I make God's plan first? Number one, start asking and reading. What do I mean? I mean, you've got to make prayer a real part of your life. You have to start asking God what he wants. And I think some of you, well, I pray. My guess is your prayers are a lot of my, my, my prayers. At times I have to stop myself. You know why? Because when I start praying, I have the list. Anybody got the list? Here, God, here's what I'd like to see happen today. And Jesus teaches us to pray this way. God, your name is holy. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. A little bit later he goes, here's what I need. Give us this day our daily bread. But the first thing Jesus tells us to pray is, God, whatever you're doing, let me in on it. Whatever your kingdom's about, let me be a part of it. Your kingdom come. And so we, we come with our list, and that's how we, we I pray, I pray, I went to work this morning. And what your list was, it was like, this has got to happen, now it's got to happen. Take care of that person, God. And you never stop long enough to go, God, what do you want today? Start reading. We, we put that Bible in front of you. We got the Right Now apps. We can say the Bible better. The Right Now media stuff. We, we've got the app now on church, from Church T. We got, we were putting all kinds. We got, we, we've encouraged about you version. There is no reason not for every person in this room to make a constant daily diet of the Word of God to find out what God's blueprint and plan is. Not one excuse. Not one. And the only reason we're not getting it completely done is this. We're not bothering to make sure we know what His plan is. Are you hearing me? <laughs> Seek first this kingdom. Make a change around that part of your life. Find your place in the, in the community carrying out his plan. Some of you still just want to sit and watch. This is not a spectator sport, dude. This is an active participation thing. Your job is not just come to hear me speak on a Sunday morning. Your job is to take what we're sharing, whoever's up here, whatever small group you're in, whatever your kids are being trained, and go, listen, I'm taking that in and I'm doing something with it. And if I can't be, if, if this is not the community I feel like I can grow and participate and be what God wants me to be in, then, then by all means, can I say this really boldly on a Mother's Day? Find the one you can. You tell me to leave? No, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm trying to get someplace where you can thrive. 
Because if I'm just encouraging you to take up space and, and what, what we're saying here, what we're doing here isn't motivating you to get out and do something, you might be in the wrong spot. Am I, am I wanting less people? No. No I, no, I don't want that necessarily. But I want people rightly placed. And here's the thing. You're God's kids. You're not my people. I mean, you are my people. I mean, I love you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, getting, you feeling the tension in that? Huh? You hear what I'm saying? Got to navigate the change, man. Find a place. Find a small group. Find the ministry team. Do something. Do me a favor. Make it a point every day to do something, no matter how small. Do something every day that fulfills God's plan. For some of you leaving today, the one thing might be, yeah, you're right, I should probably change my prayer life. And every morning, get up and go, God, i got a list of things I think I'd like to have. But please, show me what you want today. Maybe that's it. And you do that every day. That'd be an awesome place to start. Some of you, you continue to engage that one person in your workplace or your neighborhood that you know everybody's kind of like, dude, they're a mess. They're kind of tore up. Don't get to and, and, and just every day, pass them a nice note, stop by and talk to them, clap them a high five. Do something that, that, that allows the love of God and the truth of God to get near them. Just something small. You don't have to preach them a message. You don't have to get them to come to church necessarily. Just do something. Just do one thing every day that says this is about God's plan, not about mine, no matter how small. Are you with me? And let me encourage you about this. Oh, I'm so late. Do you guys forgive me? Oh, don't try to be the hero. We already got one. We don't need you to be the hero. We need you to play your part. So you're thinking about, I got to save the world. No, you don't have to save the world. Somebody already saved the world. All you got to do is be his hand, his little pinky finger maybe. Maybe you're just his little pinky knuckle. You get what I mean? Maybe you're his, maybe you're his little toe. And you're trying to be the mouthpiece or something. Just, just do your, don't be the hero. Just do something. Are you hearing me? Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.